You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, guys. Love you, Stephen. Let's give the praise team a, a big uh, thank you. Let's give the praise team that was here. Uh, here. Come on, how many enjoyed the praise and worship every week? How many enjoyed the praise and worship that came out of you? How many know you brought something with you? How many are glad that it doesn't matter who has the microphone every time we meet? You know, they, in the old days, they used to say in the churches I was kind of around and grew up in, they would say things like, you know, nothing happened today. The Holy Spirit didn't move. And what I would say is, well, what happened with what was in you? Why didn't you bring it? You know, what did you do with what was in you? Because there's more than enough in you, right, for the miracles that are needed, not only in this place, for the city. But um, I'm excited about, um, love Chris and Terry, and they, of course, send their love and greetings, and I'm sending them pictures of you guys because they miss you. They're on their way back, and <clears throat> I had a message that was, I like to prepare ahead of time. I'm, I, I can be spontaneous because I am prophetic, not pathetic, but prophetic. I do believe in preparation. The older I get, the more important preparation is. And I used to in the old days uh, when I was pastoring. I've got some people here, some friends that are in the room that were part of uh, the ministry that I pastored. Thank you guys for being here. But in the old days, I would have message. I'd have five messages, and I didn't know which one I was going to do when, uh, until the praise and worship transition. And man, that's scary when you live that way. And as I got older, I've started, okay, this is what he wants to say, and this is what I'm going to do. So last week, I put 10 pages together. Man, I had a, it's a hot one, right off the press, never preached before. And then two days ago, he wakes me up and gives me something completely different. But I mean, no, that's okay. And so I'm excited because I believe this is a prophetic word. It's not just a sermon. It's not just me preaching. But I'm going to release something over this house that I believe is going to change and set the pace for what happens over the next few weeks and months into the end of the year. How many believe that's okay? All right. Let's start in uh, the title of my message today, and they're going to put the scriptures up, From Trickle to Floods. From Trickle to Floods. Exodus chapter 33. We're going to start there. We're going to read some scripture today. How many say it's okay to read some scripture? Give some context. Exodus 33, verse 7. I'm going to start reading. Moses took his tent. He pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. How many are glad you ain't got to watch somebody else go in, but you can go in yourself? Verse 9, it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. How many are glad that the Lord doesn't just talk to Moses, but he talks to you? Come on. All the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his own tent door. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have found grace in my sight. Verse 13, now therefore I pray if I have found grace in your sight, Show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you. Somebody say that statement. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then he says in verse 15, Mo, Mo says, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? And so we shall be separate. Now notice, I'm not going to preach this, but notice he says your presence will go with us, and so we shall be separate. That word separate actually means holy. 
So the fact that he goes with us is actually what makes us holy. It's separated under God. Woo, that's a message in itself. I'm not going to preach that today. Your, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth, Father, I thank you today for the word. I thank you for the activation that's going to take place at the end. I thank you that this word is going to be life and spirit. <clears throat> Lord, that it will transform us and it will give change our mindset so that we can see the manifestation of everything you want to do in our lives and those that are around us. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen and amen. So we notice in the text here that everyone who worshiped the Lord, they did it at their tent. And we know that, how many know that worship includes sacrifice? We offer up what? The sacri- Y'all work with me. We got a guy over here that teaches. That's all, that's, he lives and breathes it and pours it into us. We offer up the sacrifice of praise. But, you know, some people worship their comfort zone. They're really not worshiping God. They're worshiping their comfort zone. And what some people call worship is absent of sacrifice. And here's the thing. I don't want to go to church. You know, people say, well, I don't want to go to church since COVID. COVID, 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 COVID. I don't like COVID or COVID. They, they, since COVID, people have made excuses. You know, I can just stay home and watch it online. But I mean, no convenience, and I'm all for that. If you have to stay at home and watch online, yes, the anointing is transferable. Yes, the word of God will change you. But I mean, no, you cannot replace this. And the reality is that many times we have convenience is what we go for, and convenience is not true worship. And here's what Moses is saying. I need the tent experience to be with me all the time. God says, my, my presence will go with you. But let me know that I can't take my tent with me, and I want to experience what I get here in my job tomorrow because when I get there, I don't have the same thing that I have here. My, that's what Moses is saying. Listen, tomorrow i got to go to my job, and I don't have the praise team with me. I don't have the ministry team. I don't have all these people around me to encourage me. And he says, it's all right, Moses. He said, I'm going to go with you. And so he says, um, God says, I'm going to, you know, he says, I can't take the worship team with me out there. And God says, I'm going to send an angel with you. And Moses says, I would rather be with you in the wilderness than be in the promised land with an angel. Come on. Moses said, the issue isn't that we don't meet. He says, the issue is that I need you with me all the time. How many believe that that is your prayer? I need what I experience in the tent to be with me all the time. I love your presence, but the challenge is when we leave the tent, which is a sanctuary, and we go throughout the day, yes, this is a great Sunday, and God did something incredible in this time we have together, but tomorrow I've got to go to work. And the challenge is I need this experience to be with me wherever I go. Come on, I want that. And I need that, but the problem is I can't take all of this with me. I love this, but I can't stay here forever. I have responsibilities. And whenever I'm doing whatever I'm supposed to be doing, I don't feel your presence. That's what Moses is saying. And God says, you got it. My presence will go with you. Let me give you a little story. Um, Every season of transition that me and my wife and our family have been in along the years planting churches and moving to different cities, every time we stepped into transition, we would have this truck, this semi-truck, that said Covenant Transport on the side of it, and it would pass us. And I remember the first time that happened, it was just like, oh, wow, that's Covenant Transport. But then it started happening at every fork in the road. We would be in another city headed to somewhere else, and that truck would pass us. And it was a, it was a, it was a prophetic declaration to us or a sign. God was saying, no matter where you go, I'm going with you. 
See, I love worship. I, I love worship. I think I love worship as much as this guy over here. I believe in worship. I love worship. Those of you that remember me pastoring, we had awesome worship. And I'm a worship fanatic. So much so that when I traveled full time for years in my 20s and my 30s into my 40s, my team when they would request, what does Craig need for the hotel and all the things that, you know, so that he can minister when he comes? And they would request a rocking chair in my hotel room because I would rock and worship and pray for hours. One time, this is a true story, at a conference in South Florida, it's a big conference, the presence of God, I was in such a deep encounter in my hotel room in that rocking chair that they literally had to come pit me up, carry me to the vehicle, and drive me to the service. As a young child, I remember in a church that had pews. In the old days, how many remember the pews? An Assembly of God Church in Florida. I was just a young little boy. I wasn't even a teenager yet. I was sleeping under the first, first pew. I mean, when you get that close, it's dangerous. I was sleeping under that first pew that first pew and when I woke up I, I literally woke up I was praying in the spirit rivers of tongues was coming out of me before I even knew what tongues was Benny Hinn years later had the honor of Benny Hinn prayed for me and my mom I was just a little boy and I was my mom was standing behind me and she was holding my shoulders and the power of God, I was up on the platform. How many of you have ever seen Benny Hinn's meetings where people go up? I was on the platform with my mom, and Benny Hinn was at least probably from here to that wall. And he, he, he prophesied over me as a kid. He said, you are going to carry an anointing that's going to shake nations. And he stretched his hand, and the power of God hit me and my mom to such a degree that when we, we fell, but that wasn't the, 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 the crazy part. The crazy part is I'd never fallen before, and when I fell on the floor, I could not get up. I'm trying to get up, and I can't move. I have, the reason I'm sharing that with you, are y'all with me today? This is going to be house talk. I'm not preaching. I have a huge value for God at the tent. I believe in what we just did this morning and what we do every week, but I want to show you something. How many, how many will let me stretch you just a little bit? Come on, how many of you will let me stretch? Not very many hands. How many of you will let me stretch you just a little bit? How many want to grow? Get a new mindset. Romans chapter 12, verse, we'll read just the first verse. Paul writing says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Here's my problem. We call all of this worship. And I believe that. But the problem is we don't call everything else worship when we dedicate our bodies to the Lord. And here's what happens. We create an expectation when there isn't music and there's not a praise team and there's not someone doing the transition and there's not other believers around us. We, we're getting rocked in here, but we begin to think that we have to have this to have God. Oh, I know I'm challenging. We have worship music, and it's got to happen just like this. It's got to be sung this way, and it's got to sound this way, and it's got to build up to a high point, and then we got to hit a climax, and then God might move. It creates an expectation that if I don't have this, I can't get that. And I have a, listen, the Lord woke me up two days ago with this message. I have a concern that we have created dualistic Christians who believe that worship has something just to do with the music rather than to do with the sacrifice. Because I cannot live in here. I cannot stay with the worship team 24-7. Stephen isn't with me 24-7. I don't have the ministry team to pray for me 24-7. And the reality is I need the Lord more out there than I do in here. And I'm concerned that we believe all of this has to happen for something mighty to happen out there. 
Uh, this is not one of those popular messages. What I'm saying, listen, and, and what I'm saying is, 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 I love all of this. But when you receive Jesus Christ, you become a living sacrifice. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All of these things will be added unto you. And most of us have been taught that if you first, you first seek the kingdom and then you seek your, fam then your family, then your church family, however you want to put the order, and then your job. But I want to say this to you and to me today. If it's not in the kingdom, you shouldn't be doing it. Because when you receive Jesus Christ, nothing is secular anymore. Oh, it's quiet in this. Everything you do is sacred to God. Jesus said, when you give a cup of water in my name, he said, when you give a cup of water, you do it in my name. In other words, the smallest detail in your life is worship to God when you dedicate your life to him. And when you get this, it takes what you do for a living and pulls it into the kingdom. It takes your job and pulls it into the kingdom. It takes your business and it pulls it into the kingdom. And then you realize you are in the ministry. Am I preaching? I grew up my whole life, my wife will tell you. I don't have time to go to the story, but my aspiration when I was younger as a teenager and my spiritual father, and we had a great church, all I wanted to do was be on staff, get paid, and have a title. I thought if I could get on staff, that was the apex of everything in Christ, and I have arrived. But then I realized that I thought the only people who, only the people who were paid by the church we're actually in the ministry, and I thought you, if I didn't work for money, I thought I was actually working a job to work for money so I could give it to people who did the sacred work, not realizing what I was doing was the sacred work. Woo! And what I'm saying is that Stephen, what Stephen does with the keyboard, I love Michael, man, I could... If it, I think it's Michael, right? Yeah. Michael, when he plays worship, when he leads, I love all of them. They all bring something different. But when, I, when Michael Lee, when he's playing up here and he's worshiping radically, like a radical kingdom rebel that's busting hell up, it does something inside of me. But watch this, what, what, what Stephen does with the keyboard and Michael does with the guitar is no more holy. Greg, wave your hand. Everybody look at Greg in the back. Wave your hand. Greg works for uh, Glock. He works for Glock. He used to be a part of our church, he used to be on the praise and worship team. I'm going to start making a demand on him to get what he's got in here because he's got some things to bring. But what Greg does with the guns at Glock, because he dedicated his life to Jesus, therefore, when he works on guns, because he dedicated his life to Jesus, he has become a holy sacrifice, and what he does with guns is holy to the Lord. And when you get this, you begin to anticipate that God is with me all day long. God cares about me taking care of my customers. God cares about me working with kids. God cares about me doing landscape for people with excellence. God cares about me working on cars. David, what you do with the cars is just as anointed as and as important and ministry and worship as what I'm doing with the microphone. So quiet in here. You know why? Because you're, 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 you're going to have to take ownership of that you have a responsibility. If our city is going to be changed, it's not going to be changed by me. It's going to be changed by you. And suddenly my job, I end up pulling it into the kingdom. And when I do that, Jesus becomes the one who writes my paychecks, not my boss. And that's a whole nother message. And then all of these things are added to me. Are you getting this? 
Why is it? Oh, yeah, we seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. And, 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 and where are all these things? Well, it's because we don't recognize that the kingdom is not in here. This is the ecclesia. This is the church. Kingdom is when the king in you goes to wherever you put your feet and his kingdom starts manifesting there. God Almighty. Oh, boy. Listen, this word challenged me. Because I thought we were doing good. Yeah, I thought we were doing really good. He asked me, how you doing? I think we're doing pretty good. We got great worship. We got great people. We got, you know, we're going to have our own building soon, but this will this do. Yeah, he said, uh, okay, I need to talk to you. See, we think that, you know, I, 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 this has always been me. I'm a feeler. I got to have music. I got to have my worship team. It's got to happen this way. When the customer walks in the store, there's got to be worship music playing on the speakers. And then we're going to get in. We gather in the back, three of us, and we pray in the spirit, and then God moves. But what if you can't do that? Does that mean God's not going to move? He said, my presence, turn to your neighbor, my presence will go with you. Say that to them. And the reality is, for us to understand this, we have to know this principle that what we believe matters. Think about up here, those, pretend there's two tangible but invisible doors. This door says the kingdom of God, and this door says the kingdom of darkness. You have two keys, and both of them say faith on it. One key says, I believe something terrible is going to happen to me. So when I open that door, what happens? The floodgates of evil come in. The problem is Isaiah 54 says, oppression will be far from me, and I will not fear. But we know the opposite is true. Oppression, it could be this way. Oppression will be close to you because you are afraid. And the more that you're afraid, the more you keep opening that door. Have you ever heard somebody say, the devil's after me? You know what I tell them? You know why the devil's after you? Because you believe he is. You're opening that door by faith. Fear is faith in the wrong God. Now, I don't even like to say the wrong God. And even when I write it, I write it little g. But I'm not even going to give him that, little g. I'm going to say it's faith in the wrong person or the wrong thing or the wrong side. Can I, you want me to break it down? If a little boy comes up to me, I got muscles a little bit. I got a little bit of strength. little boy walks up to me and says, I'm going to beat you up. I'm not afraid. Why? Because I don't believe him. Let me know if a 280-pound gangster comes up and says, I'm going to beat you up, I might be a little afraid. Except I can outrun him. I believe him. Watch this. That's why I have anxiety. And when I have anxiety, I open the door to evil. Both kingdoms work by faith. The spirit realm works by faith. And so when I believe God, I open the door to the kingdom. Now watch this. Let me just, let me, let me. I, I used to have some pretty wacky people come to my church. I'm not saying whether, whatever I believe, therefore it's true. I'm a unicorn, I'm a unicorn, I'm a unicorn. I can say I'm a, a unicorn and believe I'm a unicorn, but I ain't no unicorn. I'm actually unlocking a door and inviting what I believe in. So how important is it, listen to me, how important is it that I, what I believe is actually true? It, 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 listen, I believe, therefore, it is true, but... It, let me, let me say this, John 8, 32. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The word truth there is not logos or rhema. It is the word reality. You will know reality, and it will set you free. But believing in a virtual reality will imprison me. 
And if I don't believe that something can happen till the worship team starts to music, even in here, and, and then, it, then it's not going to happen. Are you with me? Not because it can't, but because I don't believe it. I remember Rodney Howard Brown. How many of you ever heard of Rodney Howard Brown? When I was younger, I got to be in his meetings in Lakeland, Florida, and the power of God and Holy Spirit and people laughing and, I mean, a move of God. And Rodney Howard Brown went to a friend of mine's church, the pastor, a church, and he was, he was at the house because they had breakfast that morning, and then he had a room that the pastor had told him, you can go in there and pray and get ready for the service. And so the pastor goes over from the parsonage to the church. And when he comes back to get Rodney, Rodney, Rodney's sitting down playing video games with his son. And the pastor, my friend, says, hey, don't you have to go get ready? I mean, you're getting ready to do the meeting. And, and uh, Rodney Howard Brown looked at him and said, nah, and just kept playing. Why? And then he went into the meeting. What happened? God moved. God moved. See, you don't have to get ready for God to move. I believe in preparation. I believe in praying. But if something happens where I don't get to do what I normally do, it does not mean that God cannot move because God is with me all the time. I grew up in a church I grew up in a church on staff for 13 years in South Florida. We had a pretty good team. We had a, a pretty large church. We had a green room. How many remember any green rooms or red rooms or blue rooms? And all the disciples, apostles, prophets, whatever, would hang out in the green room until the worship got about 20 minutes in, and then they would escort us out the side door to our, first, to our front seats. And I remember that they actually told me this when I, that when I was learning. They said, if, you, if you're preaching and you leave the green room to go hang out with people and greet them and love on them, the anointing might lift. They actually believed that. If you get around the people, don't get around the people. You got to stay back here and you got to prepare and you got to wait till the worship's 20. To heck with that. I want to be on the front line when the worship starts because i got something to worship him for. Are y'all with me? See, what the worship leader does with a guitar isn't more, any more holy than what you do on your job or your occupation because you dedicated your life to Jesus. And therefore, when you sit at the computer and you teach that class, whatever you do is holy sacrifice and it is holy unto God. I want us to enjoy corporate worship and everything that goes with it. Without creating this expectation that you have to have that for the presence of God to be with you. And in the New Testament, am I talking, is anybody, are you with me, Stephen? Is at least some of it true? Yeah. In the New Testament, I don't see a lot of examples of people getting together to worship. I do see them house to house. I see Paul and Silas in prison singing without no band. I'm not even sure they knew how to sing. They probably didn't. They probably sang off key. But as they were singing, what happened? God showed up. Prison break, a jail, a jail break, what is it? Jailhouse rock. All the prisoners got free. Was there a worship team? Was there a worship team? No. Why? Because they presented themselves as living sacrifices. And I'm not saying that, y'all please hear me because I, somebody going, Chris, he just said, no, I did not say that. I'm not saying that God does not love all of this. In fact, in the book of Acts, the tabernacle, it says the tabernacle of David will be restored. And I understand that. But what I'm saying is the world was wrought without bands, without a worship team. They did not have a building. They did not have 
have a 501c3. They did not have a staff. They didn't know what elders and deacons were, and they were persecuted. Yes, they were They were persecuted. They were in hiding. And I know it was difficult for them to gather. They were going from house to house to house, and I realized that later David's tabernacle was pulled into the new covenant, and they did not have the freedom that we have. But what I'm saying is they turned the world upside down because they believed that God would move on their behalf without a perfect atmosphere. And my concern is, I'll get some water. I'm trying to stay calm. My concern is that we need to turn the world upside down. We need to shape the nations. How many believe that? Right now more than ever. We need them to say those who have turned the world upside down have come here. And this, this causes you to realize that God is with you all day long. God cares about you fixing cars. God cares about you taking care of customers. God cares about you taking care of employees and teaching kids. And listen, people who do not know the king can experience the kingdom because it's inside of you. The only way to experience the kingdom is if I believe I'm carrying the kingdom. It's not that I have to wait for Sunday morning and then I get my fill and my fits again. And it's that I can carry it with me every day, everywhere I go. And the more I take it out, the more it increases. There's a book by uh, Brother Lawrence that somebody gave me years ago. I'm sure you've read it, Practicing the Presence of God. You ought to get that book. It's a small book, easy to read. It's basically Brother Lawrence worked in a kitchen. And he began to understand that God was with him in the kitchen and began to practice the presence of God while he was doing washing dishes. Come on. Y'all want to go deeper? I'm going to say this one more time and then we'll move on. In the early church, they didn't have a worship team. They didn't have a building. They didn't have lights. They didn't have smoke machines. But in the book of Acts, they rocked the world without all of this. They did not have atmosphere. They did not have praise team. They did not have comfortable chairs. Whatever they went, wherever they went, they took the presence with them. And all through the book of Acts, in fact, more stuff than stuff happened out there than it does in here. Very few, if any, miracles took place in the temple. Why? Because they believed that God was with them. And I submit to you that we have made this the Christian experience, but this is only a small piece. Let's look at Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Are y'all with me so far? Who wants to stone me? It's all in the Bible. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them and said, all authority has been given to me. Somebody say all. You know what the word in the Greek all means? It means all. It literally means when he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, he took the keys to the house, that, of the, the, to the Satan's house, and Satan don't even have keys to his own house. How many know he was completely defeated? Come on, punched in the mouth, teeth gone, completely. Walked him through downtown eternity. He was completely stripped. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore what? Somebody say go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Watch this. And he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What does he say? He says, lo, I'm with you always. My presence will go with you. I will be with you no matter where you go. You cannot leave my presence. He said, I want you to disciple nations. And what I said to Moses, I'm going to say to you, lo, I am with you always. My presence will go with you. How many are glad for that? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 47. We're going to read a few verses here. <clears throat> then he brought me back to the door of the temple. I actually had a dream about this two days ago. He brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. 
For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. Verse 2. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out the right side. How I many the water was running out everywhere? Verse 3. And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, he brought me through to the waters. The waters came up to my ankles. Then he measured again, 1,000. It came up to my to my uh, my waist, or my knees. And he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. It came up to my waist. Again, he measured, and it was, a, it was water in which one must swim. That's good. I like that. A river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. Verse 7, when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were many trees on one side and the other. And he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region down into the valley. I'm going to skip. When the waters reaches the sea, the Dead Sea, by the way, its waters are healed. It shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, somebody say wherever the river goes, it, they will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed. Some translations say fresh. How many know you got to make it fresh? Somebody's got fresh. And everything will live because wherever the river goes, it shall be that the fishermen will stand on the banks of En Gedi. They will be spreading their nets. The fish will be of all different kinds and the great sea exceedingly many. Verse 11, but its swamps and its marshes will not be healed. They will be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river on this side and that side, there will be all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because the water flows from the sanctuary. The fruit, the fruit will be for food and their leaves for, for medicine. In Revelation 22, verse 1, I'll just quote it or read it. It says, he showed me a pure river of water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne room of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street on either side was the tree of life, which had 12 fruits bearing fruit for every month. Somebody say every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Wow. The trees of the, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, let me, let me summarize and just bring all this together. The water is trickling from the sanctuary door, like Solomon's temple. It's filling up the tabernacle. It's trickling from the door. And there's a couple things that are happening here that I want you to take notice of. The first one, I want to ask you a question. What is the source of the river? What's the source of the river? The sanctuary. The river is flowing from the sanctuary. It is leaving the sanctuary. This is a sanctuary. And the further it gets from the temple, the deeper the water gets. Why? Because the greatest miracles are happening the furthest from the Sunday gathering. I'm not saying they're not happening because of the church. I'm saying they are happening outside the church and in church it is this worship, but it's not just this worship up here. It's this worship in here. Come on. This worship is happening. You and me offering ourselves as living sacrifices, not just to music. And out of that, there is a river that's flowing, and it may just look like a trickling, but it's, listen, it's not flowing from the sanctuary. It's just trickling. But notice it gains momentum the further it gets away from the sanctuary. Why? Because, why? Listen, why is the church for the most part, not our church overall, is not growing in influence and impact? Because I submit to you, we're really good at doing all of this in here, that kind of worship. But we're not really good at doing this kind of worship. And I submit to you that the measure of the increase that we will see of his glory transforming our cities is when we become better at doing it out there than we are in here. It's when church is happening on Monday through Saturday and Sunday. And there are two manifestations that caught my attention. Number one, the river. It says everyone who gets in the river gets healed. 
They're made fresh. But it says the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh, but will be left for salt. In other words, they're so salty, they're of no good. The river, watch this, is flowing. The water that is in the river flows into the marsh, and the, mar the marsh is where the water goes in, but it does not have an outlet for the water to come out. Oh, my God. Ezekiel says the marshes, even though it has the same water that's in the river, but because it does not have an outlet, it does not heal anyone. God. The, notice that the marsh is a consumer, but it's not a producer. It has a river flowing in, but it does, has nothing flowing out. Every week it comes and sits in a chair and it receives. It is consuming, but there's nothing going out. And because there's nothing going out, nobody's getting healed. Woo, it's quiet in here. In other words, the healing qualities of the river are in its movement, not just in its presence. The healing qualities of the river isn't just in the elements, it's in the movement. Because when it comes in without an outlet, it does not become fresh. It becomes stagnant. It becomes salty. He says everything that's in the river gets healed. It gets made fresh. It is alive. But there's another part of this that's just as powerful. Number two, I noticed that the element of the water, there is an element of the water that cannot be seen, but it's affecting the trees. Have you ever seen a, weep, a weeping willow? Anybody know what a weeping willow tree is? Those trees can find water in a drought. Other trees, you stop watering them, and they will die. But there's something about the weeping willows. They can find water anywhere. Where do they find the water? These trees are feeding from the water that is in the river, not directly. They don't have an irrigation system, but the roots are going in the river, and consequently the trees, the river has an odd effect on the trees. What is that odd effect? Instead of bearing fruit once a year, they bear fruit every month. And not only that, the quality of the water, everyone who gets in the river lives. And anyone who eats the leaves of the trees has the same manifestation as being in the river. Man, y'all are quiet today. Are y'all getting this? I'm almost finished. I know what time it is. It says, in Revelation, says the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Why is this important? Because I feel like sometimes all we want to do is be in the sanctuary, and we think this is the pinnacle of the expression of Jesus, and that the highest level of our Christian existence is in here. And if I can just make it to next Sunday, yes, this is beautiful. I don't want to tear this down. In fact, I want to elevate it. Come on, I want to take it to another level. Right, Michael? But what is happening in the sanctuary is not supposed to just happen in here. It's supposed to affect nations. It's supposed to affect your neighborhood. It's supposed to affect your community. It's supposed to affect the bar that you, you don't go to the bar to drink, but you go in there to bring the river. Two things I'm saying. I'm not saying drinking's wrong. I'm not even going to go there. I did not mean to go there. I'm not, I did not mean to go there. Don't shut me off just because of that. Two things I want to say to you. Number one, how many know God wants everybody to be saved? Yes, Jesus. How many know Jesus is the only way? Let me look at the camera. I'm not on camera, but if I'm on the camera, camera, come here. Zoom in right here. Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. The Word of God is infallible. I love the Word of God. Because in the Word, I find Him. And in Him, I find the Word because they are the same. Come on. Mm. Mm. I'm not just talking about everybody being saved. You being saved, what I'm talking about 
is what, what is happening in the sanctuary comes out of you and it begins to change everything around you. God doesn't just want people to get saved. He actually wants nations. You can come on, Stephen. He actually wants to transform nations. He wants to heal nations, entire people groups, not just individuals. He wants the same river that's in here to transform Kennesaw, to transform Marietta, to transform Canton, to transform Hiram, to transform Ackworth and Atlanta. He wants it to transform your neighborhood, your workplace. But for it to happen, you have to take what's in here and take it out there. Everybody stand to your feet. I was going to read Isaiah 58, but I don't have time. Maybe I'll pick that up. It's not that we don't want to do this. This is a part. We don't want to take that down. In fact, I want to move it up. I want to go to another level. Every week it should get better. We should be going from glory to glory. We should not be starting every week over. But listen, when you go to, just close your eyes for a minute and just hold your hands out. When you go to work tomorrow, I hope you say, that crazy evangelist prophet, he has me all stirred up. I believe that the presence of God is with me everywhere I go. I hope you say, anything can happen right now. When you go to work at, you know, let's say you work at Walmart. I want you to go to Walmart and I want you to go in saying anything can happen right now. I am a tabernacle. I am a sanctuary. I'm leaking everywhere. There are streams flowing out from me and only God knows what could happen right now. I want you to say, I may just be stocking the shelf and I'm disguised as a shelf stacker. I just look like an everyday shelf stacker. But I'm actually a sanctuary full of his presence. I am a spiritual house being built up as a holy offering to God. And anything could happen right now. Who knows? I may not even have to say anything. I want you to look at me. I told you to close your eyes, but look at me. I want you to hear this. What if you, as an anointed shelf stacker, begin to realize you had an expectation People are going to walk through my water. They're walking through my water all day long. Splish, splash, you're taking a Holy Ghost bath. And I'm just over here stacking shelves. I've done this. I'm just stacking shelves. And a woman walks by me, and she's walking through my fresh water. Only God knows what will happen to her. She may get home. And she might go to her husband and say, you know what? I don't know what happened. When I went to Walmart, I was depressed. I've been depressed for a while. But while I was at Walmart, I started feeling good. I think I'm going to go there and sh I'm going to shop there every day. It felt so good over there. Her husband says, well, what section were you in? She said, I think I might have been in the pool section. They don't even have a pool section, but just use your imagination. I think I might have been in the pool section. She said, when I went there, I just felt this river all around me, and now there's a river coming out of me. Do you get this? The river that's in here, when it gets in you, out of your belly flows rivers of living water, and then the river that's in you has got so much life. Everything it touches, it lives. Everything it touches is fresh. Everything it touches is healed. The same river that's in here, that's in me, is in him, is in you. And when you go out, you don't have to have music. You don't got to pray in the Holy Spirit for 15 minutes. There's a river that's flowing out of you. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Have you seen that? Come on, let's sing an old song. I want you to throw your hands up. Put your hand on your belly. I was going to do an activation differently, but I'm going to do it like this. Just, just close your eyes. Put your hand. We're going to go old school. There's a river of life flowing out of me. You remember that? 
It's, a, it's okay. Made the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. Oh, I've got a river of life flowing now. Oh, come on, come on, something's happening, dog. Don't oh, discount it. There's an old song. Put your hand on your belly oh, right now. I intimate it. Me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. Oh, I've got a river of life flowing out of Spring up, oh, well. Come on, say it again. In my soul, spring up, oh, well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh, well, into me. Here's what I want to do. I, it's 12 o'clock. I'm not going to take long. Maybe five minutes or so. Maybe ten. And I really feel by the Holy Spirit I'm supposed to do this. If you're in this room and you're tired of boring, average Christianity, you want miracles, signs, and wonders to happen outside of you. And before I, before I give you this challenge, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to ask you these questions before I invite you to come. When's the last time you prayed for somebody to be healed and you saw them healed? When's the last time you gave a word of knowledge, a prophetic word? When's the last time that you shared a testimony and your story? When's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? On the Lord, the Lord, this wasn't the prettiest message, but this is a message God said, This is for us now. When's the last time you took a risk and got out of your comfort zone? When's the last time you let what is in here get out there and it's flowing so much out there that people are walking in your water? And then watch this, then they are coming here to see what God is doing here. I wrote this, we have made Christianity boring and we've made church the most predictable hour anywhere. We can stay home and predict by our watch what is happening. Why? Because we are not letting the trickle that's in here become the flood that's in the streets. Isaiah 58, I was going to read it and I'm going to give you this challenge. I'll go more later, but go home and read it. Isaiah 58 the people, they say, you know what? We're fasting. We're crying out to you, God. We're fasting. We're, we're seeking righteousness. We're doing justice. And then God says, that is not the fast that I'm pleased with. He said, I know you're worshiping me, but that's not the worship that I really want. And I said, well, God, you said if I humble myself, you would exalt me. If I humble myself, if I position myself in humility, then God, you will be pleased. And then he says in that text, he says, that's not really what I'm looking for either. And then he says, this is the fast that I have chosen. He said, I want you to feed the hungry. I want you to clothe the naked. I want you to repair the broken. I want you to repair the desolate cities, the places that have been robbed of its identity from heaven. I want you to reach the widow and the orphan. I want you to reach those children that are being put into sex trafficking. I want you to do that. That's the worship that I'm seeking. You can read it later. And then he says, watch this. He says, when you do this kind of worship, he said, your light will rise like the morning sun. He said, healing will break out speedily on the right and on the left. He said, glory will be your rear guard. He said, and then he says, watch this, Josh. He says, then your prayers 
will be answered. What is he saying? We think this is what he wants, but he doesn't want, he loves this. But what he really wants is for you to take, for you to become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And let me tell you something, that text, I don't have time to talk about this, but it says when you do this, you are no longer conformed to this world, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word conform, it means to fit in. It means to fit in. It means to adapt. God did not cause us to arise and reflect. He's called us to arise and shine. I was going to, that's a whole nother message. I'm not watering down what I believe or what I have to try to fit in and be like the world. I have something inside of me that Jesus came to die for and he bought it and put it in me so that the world may know him. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who have been called out of darkness to show forth this marvelous light. If you're in this room today, come on, who cares about the buffet? I just need 10 minutes for us to get with God. If you're in this room and you say, I want rivers to flow out of me. I want rivers to flow into my job. I want to change my neighborhood. I want my business to come into the kingdom. I want my family to come into the kingdom. I want to see the king of kings, his kingdom everywhere I go. And these signs will follow me because I believe. If that's you, I want you to real quickly come down to the front. We're going to gather for just a moment. Come on, we're going to sing that song one more time. I'm going to come and I'm going to have my team, uh, the team. We're going to come and just lay hands on your belly. I want you to put your hands on your belly as you come. Can we show, can we, can we put that video up? Just put your hands on your belly. I want you, how many understand I'm not mad at you? I just believe you're powerful. I just believe, I remember Melissa last Sunday, she came up to me during worship, and she thought she did this for her, but she really did it for me. She came up in worship, put, she came up and kind of nudged me, and she said, I see strength on you. Is it all right if I share that? I've been going through some hard week. I see strength on you, and I need it. And I put my arm around her, and I didn't pray. I, f I mean, you saw the picture, if you see it on the my face is really contorted. I'm like, I look like that. But I was passionate. I said, Lord, Father, I thank you that what's in there is more than enough. And I call for it to rise. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. And the power of God went out of me into her, and she fell to the ground. And I believe you were having an encounter. Was your wheat better? When she did that, she didn't do it for her. She did it for me. Because she, Steve Backlund, a while, year, a couple years ago when he was here, we were in a private leadership thing, and he came over to me after service. He didn't know a lot about me, and he looked at me, and he said, Gary, he said, Craig, he said, this movement needs you. God's called you to be a father in this movement. I don't have to be a pastor. I was a pastor for years. I don't need to be on staff. I don't need a title. I don't need a special seat. I work a regular job. I get a paycheck. But I'm doing it under God. And I'm making a difference there. I got testimonies. People getting racked on the computer in different states. I'm all over the nation on that computer talking to people all day long, ministering to people. I don't need all that. Why? Because I know what's in me. And listen, the same thing is true for you. And what I want is for you to let it out. I want you to let it out. Stop looking down on yourself. Stop not believing what God believes about you. Stop not believing about yourself what God believes. Stop believing, believing about God. What, what God stop, start believing what God believes about himself. 
and start believing about each other what God believes about that other person. You have enough power in you to change your entire city. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.